Well, good morning. Pastor Greg, like he said, asked me to teach, and he didn't tell me when he did that everybody else was having a busy week also and that I would have to work extra hard to keep you engaged and awake, <laughs> which I didn't realize until this morning. So we'll see how this goes. When he did ask me, though, um, in thinking what I would teach on, I'm going to back up a little bit. I'm not used to seeing Daniel Penner up this close. <laughs> intimidates me. Um, you know, I figured, what better to teach on than the longest psalm in the Bible? Because then we can spend a good portion just reading it. And as one preacher said, the more you read, the more you know that you get right. Because if you're just reading the Bible, you know you can't go wrong. Um, so we will be in Psalm 119 this morning. Um, you can turn there. We'll do some reading from Psalm 1 and um, Psalm 19 also. Um, it is, well, before we start, um, I'm going to ask a couple questions. Some I don't want answers for. Some I do want answers for. I'll let you know which one is which. What is the Bible? What is the Bible to us? How should we think about the Bible? Okay, this is one that I do want an answer for. It can be something very simple. Not too in-depth because it's not a very complex question. What is, what is the Bible? Let's start with that one. Sebastian? I like that. God's means of revealing himself to us. So how do we think about the Bible? How should we approach the Bible? if it is God's means of revealing himself to us. Enoch? Yeah, yeah. Coming with expectation. Um, first of all, just coming to it. Um, if this is God revealing himself to us, we should come to God to see him. So another question, and... I don't expect answers for this one, but if you were to rank on a scale of 1 to 10, how is your response to God's revelation? How is it going? How is your time with God in his word going? Just think for yourself on a scale of 1 to 10, and you can't use 7, okay? If you were going to say 7, you have to pick 6 or 8. Because seven is the number that everybody lands on, sometimes. But seven is the cop-out number. It is the perfect number. You're right. So how would you rank yourself on your response to God's revelation? I know there's different times in our life um, where we may be on a high or we may be on a low. Um, Life is like that. For those of you at camp, camp was some of my best times in the Word. You may have found that. For others of you, it may be the hardest time to actually get quality time in the Word of God. Um, it may be time with work, a busy season of work where you're not able to get as much. It may be a difficult time in life. For some, a difficult time in life, um, a trial or something that they're going through is a hard time to get in the Word 
to really feel like they're getting a lot out of the word. For others, a hard trial in their life actually pushes them toward God even more. And those are some of the most, most fruitful times in the word. I wanted us to start with that, trying to get a framework of where we're at in our response to God um, in the word as we begin to look at Psalm 119. Psalm 119 is known as the longest chapter in the Bible, 176 verses. Uh, we will not get to all of them today. Um, but more than its length, the psalm is entirely devoted to the Word of God. Every single verse in this chapter makes explicit reference to the Word of God. Um, and almost all of them use one of eight synonyms that we'll be looking at. Um, I believe it's all but three make use one of these specific words. Um, and as you're, if you're in Psalm 119, you'll see that there's, a t there's an interesting structure to this psalm. Um, there are 22 stanzas of eight verses, and it's actually an acrostic psalm. It uses all 22 letters of the Hebrew alphabet. Now, I'm going to be honest, I don't know Hebrew. I had to, I had to um, use some Hebrew lexicons in grad school uh, to look up, to do these word studies. Um, so the teacher would give us a word, and we would have to go look it up and write a paper on what this word means. Um, if you've ever looked at Hebrew, or um, you, know, you may have seen Arabic or something like that, it uses symbols that we are not familiar with. Okay? It, there's one that looks like a W. It's not a W. Sometimes it has a little dot above it. Other, other symbols, um, there's a box, but it's not connected. Uh, let's see, what was the other one? It's like a backwards E. So you have, these, you have these in your mind as you're going to look them up. Um, so as I'm looking them up in the, in the lexicon, I'm like, okay, I'm looking for a backwards E next to a W with a dot over it next to an open box. You can imagine how long this took me. After, after two or three times, though, I realized that multiple students every semester for multiple years had been looking up these same words in the same lexicon. So if you just held the lexicon on the table and let it fall open, it was right there the whole time. So that is my, um, that is my extent of Hebrew. So I'm going to try to say some Hebrew words that I probably will not get. Um, and if you would like to talk to Pastor Greg afterward, um, I'm sure he'd be glad to help you. Um, so, this is an acrostic. It uses all 22 letters of the Hebrew alphabet. Um, it's actually the same structure as the Lamentations 3, um, but that only does it in stanzas of three. Um, so, this acrostic is useful as a memory technique, maybe one reason for it. Um, but it's also um, poetry. The Psalms use poetry. Um, and we'll see this. Poetry is a very high form of art. I, I really like poetry, less so than, or more so than when I was in school, whether high school or even undergrad studying poetry. I did not actually like poetry then, but since then I have gained an appreciation for poetry. It's a very high form of art. Um, to be able to use words, to use language, um, to communicate ideas in such a way um, that you're saying something, but what it means is so much more. Um, 
So poetry, has anyone tried to write any poetry? Any poems? Okay, a few. How does it go for you? Does it turn out? <laughs> I, I have tried. I've done some. Some of them turn out better than others. Um, you know, your meter and your rhyme, mine tend to change throughout, and I call it free verse. Um, <laughs> because then you can do whatever you want. But poetry takes time to write. It takes meditation um, to write, not just to write, though, but to read, to understand. Uh, you cannot just pick up somebody's poem and read through it and be like, oh, yeah, I know what they're saying. You have to spend time with it and invest yourself in that poem. And that's what we have to do when we come to this song. We cannot just read it and be like, oh, yeah, that was good, and walk away. There is so much more packed in that takes time to get out. And that's something I want us to see and to walk away with today, is the meditation aspect. This is something to take note of. The psalmist has meditated on God's word. And on, in his meditation, he has now written this psalm for us. His meditation of God's word has flown out into this poem, this psalm for us. It's, it's more than a poem. Um, this psalm for us. And we must meditate on it to gain what is in it. Um, I said I wanted to read some from Psalm 1 and Psalm 19 also. Psalm 119 begins the same way that the first psalm begins, saying, blessed. Psalm 1 says, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. So it promises blessing for the man who delights in the law of the Lord and who meditates on the law of the Lord. Psalm 119 begins with that same blessing. Blessed are those whose way is blameless, who walk in the law of the Lord. Blessed are those who keep his testimonies who seek him with their whole heart. So we see that there's a blessing for the one who meditates on the law of God and who walks in the law of God. There's a blessing for the one, for the man or the woman, who forms his life according to God's word who reads God's word, who studies God's word, and then determines to live according to God's word, to obey it. Because God's word is not just for knowledge. It's not just for facts. It's not just good information. God's word calls us to respond to it. If we are not going to submit to it, if we are not going to obey it, the blessing that it holds is not for us. The blessing only comes to those who obey. The search for this blessing and happiness is natural with every person. Everybody is searching for something to satisfy them. If we think about Jeremiah, he writes about the broken cisterns, the, the empty wells, the dry wells that people hew out for themselves. Everybody is looking for this blessing, this happiness, but it only comes to those who seek it in God's word, 
apart from God's instruction in his word, we cannot find this happiness. And what we get, um, so we, hear, we see in this psalm um, the fruit of David's meditation um, and the fuel for our own meditation. God blesses the one who spends time deliberately delighting in his word. Psalm, Psalm 19, there's, there's a lot of ones, there's a lot of 19s. Psalm 1, Psalm 19, Psalm 119 all talk about God's word. Um, Psalm 19 gives us a little glimpse of the character of God's word. And I want to read Psalm 19, 7, um, I'll read 7 to 11 before we look at um, Psalm 119. Verse 7 says, the law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. And I want you, I want you to keep in, um, I want you to see the words that the psalmist is using um, to describe God's word. Um, the law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise is simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The rules of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, even much fine gold. Sweeter also than honey and drippings of the honeycomb. Moreover, by them is your servant warned, and in keeping of them there is great reward. So we see here there are several different words that the psalmist uses for God's word. He uses the law, the testimony, the precepts, the commandment, um, the fear, and the rules. Um, he says what their effect is. It revives the soul. It gives life. It makes the wise simple. It rejoices the heart. It gives joy and happiness. It enlightens the eyes. Um, it's clean. It endures forever. It's eternal. Um, God's rules are true. They are righteous altogether. And then there's a value on that. He says they are more to be valued um, than gold, than honey. Um, if you take the things that this earth or world values, God's word is so much more valuable. And in keeping them, there is great reward. We could take these, um, these verses as just like a, a condensed version of Psalm 119. Psalm, Psalm 119 almost takes these and just expands it. Um, incredibly. And I want us to see, we're not going to obviously go into in, any in-depth um, study of this psalm, but I want us to kind of take us on an overview and see, okay, what are these synonyms of, of God's word that the psalmist is using here? Um, what is the attitude of the psalmist toward God's word? And what is the result of God's word in his life? So, I mentioned that there are eight different synonyms that are used in this psalm. And if you're thinking, well, there are eight verses in each stanza also, is there any correlation? Yes and no. There is, sometimes. In some of the stanzas, the psalmist uses every single one of these words. Um, I believe it's in... I believe it's in seven of the stanzas. 
um, five of them especially, but then seven. Um, so there's seven different stanzas in which all of these words are used. Um, and then there's a, the rest of them. So 22 minus 7 is 15. So there's 15 where he uses a word once, twice, um, three times even. Every mention of this um, is a reference to its author, though. If you look at all of these verses, um, they all refer not just to the law, not just to the rules, but it's the law of the Lord. It's his testimonies. It's his ways, your precepts, your statutes, your commandments, your righteous rules, your statutes. Every one of these mentions refers to the author. Because we cannot just study this book as a book. There is a relationship to be had here. Um, we should be wary of those who use the Bible to promote good ideas or good facts, however true they may be, if they are not leading us to know the author and do not give glory to him. One author says, what God's word is to man, this, this psalm shows what God's word is to man and how man is to relate to God's word. Could we get, well, <clears throat> what, so what are the eight synonyms here that I've mentioned? We saw some of them with Psalm 119. Just call them out. What, what are these eight that we're looking at? Law, testimony, statutes, rules. Precepts, commandments, two more, word, we got statutes, we got testimonies, it's not way, what, not fear, that was Psalm 19, that was there. I'll take judgments as a half answer, because it is. Promise. Promise is the other one. Um, and I say judgment. Promise is um, used the least. Um, it's used about 19 times. But it is also translated words, and once I believe it's judgments, or maybe a few more times judgments. Um, So these, these are the eight, um, and we're just going to look through them real quickly. Law, this is a chief term. Um, that would be the Torah. Um, it refers back to the Pentateuch, those five books of Moses. Um, it can be, you know, specifically, okay, the Ten Commandments, the law there, or the whole of the Pentateuch. Um, if you think about the New Testament, sometimes they refer back to the law and the prophets. This is the Torah. Um, so it's a chief term in the psalm, meaning teaching or instruction, and it carries the promise of blessing for obedience. Um, 
It's not just direction. It's not just instruction or teaching for interest or knowledge, but it's for obedience. It is meant to be obeyed. Um, so law comes up 25 times. Testimonies comes up 23 times. Um, and it says the word of God, um, this is God's word bearing witness to his standards and his judgments and his faithfulness. Um, it is the content of God's truth recorded in his law. Um, so if you think about the Ten Commandments, the story of the Ten Commandments being placed in the ark as a testimony or as a witness um, before the people, um, actually the, the tablets themselves, the ark and the tabernacle are all referred to as uh, testimonies or witnesses. Um, they are true and dependable for God's people. So they are reminders to him, even warnings. Um, I believe it's in First or Second Kings that it, it refers to God's warnings, the people not um, responding to God's warnings, not remembering his warnings um, talked about in, in the law, in what he had told them. Precepts comes up 21 times. Um, and this is the idea that God is overlooking his creation with care and dedication. And he acts on behalf of his people to whom he has entrusted his word. Um, he is looking after them with attention to detail. He cares about them. And in, that resp in response to that, he demands and deserves our loyalty. God is the creator, and he has set these rules for us to do, these precepts. Um, as his creation, he wants the best thing for us. Um, and we ought to be loyal to him. Statutes also comes up 21 times in the psalm. Um, and it's something, something prescribed. It could be a, a specific rule or, or even a boundary, an allotment. Um, there's the idea of an, of an engraving. Um, something that is inscribed forever, something unchangeable, unbreakable. If we think about the times and the seasons, we could say that these are, these are statutes. These are things that will not change. Um, God has fixed them. So God's word should be for us, something that God has fixed um, that, that should not be broken, that must not be broken. Um, there's a binding force on this, and it, um, it is eternal. Commandments is one that comes up 22 times, and um, God is the creator. Um, he is the one who gets to determine the rules. He made us. He determines what is right. Um, he is the ultimate authority. Uh, he has the right to command, to give orders. This is a straight order. Um, and it is, it's, it is always plural, emphasizing the collective term for all of God's commands. Um, rules comes up 23 times. Um, and this has the idea of judging or ruling. God is the all-powerful, all-wise judge. Um, he decrees with legal authority. Um, he gives rules for human interactions. Um, human interactions between man and God and man and man. Um, if you think about Leviticus, there's a lot of rules in there for how man is to relate to other men. Um, so God is the righteous judge. This is also translated judgments and just. In some of the verses um, where it doesn't seem 
where you don't see one of these specific synonyms, um, a lot of the times it actually has the same root or even is the same word, they just translated it differently. Um, so Psalm 119, my flesh trembles for fear of you and I am afraid of your judgments. That would be afraid of your rules. The next verse, I have done what is just and right. Do not leave me to my oppressors. I have done what is just. That word just is the word for rules. I have done according to your rules, your righteousness. Um, word comes up 24 times. This specific word for word. Um, and it's a general term. It refers to God's truth. Everything that God has said. There's an emphasis on truth here. Um, what God says is true because God is true. Um, throughout, throughout the Old Testament, we see the phrase, the word of the Lord. This word is what the psalmist is referring to. What God says. And then the last one, promise, comes up 19 times. Um, it's a general term referring to something that, that is said, but because God is true and what God says is true, then we can take what he says to be true and rely upon it, depend upon it, hope in it. He can be trusted and must be trusted. Um, this word is also translated commands um, or words throughout. Um, so like I mentioned, there's some verses throughout here. Verse 3 um, doesn't have one of these. And Daniel mentioned ways as one of the, one of the could be one of the synonyms. Um, ways is found in several several verses, um, three, three, verse 3, verse 37, um, I believe in one other, or a couple others, um, but isolated in verse 3 and verse 7. Um, so we have those, we have 84, when will you judge those who persecute me? Psalm 90, your faithfulness endures 12 generations. Um, that faithfulness is actually an attribute that is paired with his word. Um, verse 30 refers to the way of faithfulness. God afflicts in faithfulness in 75. His commandments are sure or faithful. Um, he has appointed testimonies in all faithfulness. So even in this, in verse 90, where we don't see one of these specific synonyms, we can see it implied there through God's faithfulness. 122 is another one that doesn't have one of these specific words. It says, give your servant a pledge of good. We can see how this is God's pledge. Um, almost reminding us of a covenant or a promise. Um, 149 refers to, according to your justice, give me life. Uh, even that is the word for rule. According to your rules, give me life. But the psalmist doesn't just want to impress us with his vocabulary. He is showing his affection for God's word, while at the same time stirring up that affection within us. Um, when we interact with God's word, it, it should transform us and direct us. The qualities of God's word um, are something that we have seen a little bit. Um, I mentioned the faithfulness. Um, but let's read, can I get um, six volunteers? 
to read a verse. Daniel 75. Joe 43. Pastor Greg 90. Is there more? Drew um, 89. Enoch 18. And Dirk 11. Okay, go ahead, Daniel. So we see here the righteousness of God's word. Joe? 43. So we have it. It is righteous. It is true. I think you were next. So his faithfulness, uh, the one that we mentioned, uh, 89. It is eternal. It, it will not pass away. 18. I don't remember what that one was for. That happens. <laughs> Let's go to 11. Stored up. It is valuable. 14, um, as much as in all riches. Um, and I believe 18, wondrous things out of your law. Um, the infiniteness, the, um, the majesty of it. It is unable to be comprehended. Um, so we have here the qualities of God's word. Righteous, true, faithful, um, eternal, infinite, valuable. This is how the psalmist thinks of God's word and how we should think of God's word. Um, next we'll see the attitude of the psalmist. Um, and I'll just read through these quickly. Verse 111. Your testimonies are my heritage forever, for they are the joy of my heart. Verse 7, I will praise you with an upright heart when I learn your righteous rules. So he's, he's joyful. He's praising. Um, he delights in the way of your testimonies. I delight, verse 14. Um, he's in awe, verse 161. Uh, my heart stands in awe of your words. He longs after it. This is something... Um, that he desires greatly. Um, he cries out for it. My soul is consumed with longing for your rules at all times. Um, he loves it. Uh, that's, this is probably the most, um, the attitude that comes across the most in the psalm is his love for God's word. And then he meditates on it, like we said. Um, but the result of God's word, we mentioned the blessing at the beginning. God's word has a, has a blessing for the one who will come to it, to the one who will obey it. But it gives life. Also, verse 17, deal bountifully with your servant that I may live and keep your word. There's a guidance to it. Um, a verse that we've probably all memorized, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. God's word guides. Uh, God's word gives peace and stability. 
verse 165, it says, Great peace have those who love your law. Nothing can make them stumble. God's word gives hope and comfort also. Verse 33, Teach me, O Lord, the way of your statutes, and I will keep them to the end. Uh Oh, that's another one of those. Let me not be put to shame in my hope. There's the hope one. Um, But then comfort. This is my comfort in my affliction that your promise gives me life. All of these things our world seeks after. Blessing or happiness, life, guidance, peace, hope, comfort. All of these things come to us through the word of God. And if we are not coming to the word of God for them, we will not find them. What we think we find them in will not actually be it. But the psalmist ends on an interesting note. You know, I joked about reading the whole psalm this morning, and if we had done so, I think we would have walked away more motivated than simply to hear some of the characteristics of the psalm. Um, What I hope to have done is to motivate you to go read the psalm, um, to use some of this. Okay, what, what what is the word in this verse? What are the words in this stanza? What does this look like? What are the qualities of God's word um, in these verses? What is the attitude that I should be coming with? What is the result uh, that God's word has in my life? Um, But in reading through, you would expect him to end on a very high note after this whole psalm, 176 verses, all talking about God's word. And the last verse says, I have gone astray like a lost sheep, Seek your servant, for I do not forget your commandments. And it almost ends on a, it, do, it definitely doesn't end on the high note, um, on the pinnacle. You almost find him in a valley. I, I've lost my way. I'm like a lost sheep. The psalmist never learns beyond his need for God and for his word. And so, our whole lives should be devoted to learning about God, to learning about his word. But we never learn beyond our need. We can never escape our need of God, our need for his word. So I would challenge you. It doesn't take long to read through. Um, Now you can read through quickly and get a little bit. But to really get a lot, you've got to sink yourself in. Because like we talked about, he's a poet. And poets have that way. But I would challenge you, take just um, 15 minutes this afternoon and read through this um, and talk to God about it and ask him to give you that longing, that desire for his word, um, that you would have the same attitude um, and experience the same blessings from his word. Let's pray. Dear God, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you're a God who speaks that you reveal yourself to us. And I pray that we would be people who incline our ears to you, to listen to you, to hear your word, to respond in obedience to you. Would you give us a love for your word, a devotion for it? Um, Would we experience the blessings 
the joy, the love, the awe uh, that comes from your word. In your name we pray. Amen.